Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, did you survive the July 4th celebration? Yes, I, I'm not a fireworks guy, so I didn't have any danger of blowing my hand off. We're, we, we're very boring. We're very safe in the car household. <laughs> so both hands are still there, ten fingers, both everything hands, still. Both eyebrows, my nose, my beard got longer. I didn't singe anything <laughs> off. We're all good to go. My, my, so my, my hearing is probably garbage, but that's because I worked in radio for eight years. So I've just been <laughs> blowing my ears out for a long time. <laughs> okay, well, glad glad you survived it. It was a nice long weekend with some nice weather, but so much went on. Before we get into USC UCLA uh, making their way to the Big Ten, I want to talk about that. Then we're going to get into recruiting. But a reminder, along with Collegiate Athletic Travel, Keystone Sports Network, we're giving you the opportunity to travel to the Penn State Auburn game. Includes the flight, you stay at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, tailgate party at the stadium, all of this going on. But it's July. The calendar has turned. It's time to get off your butt and make your commitment. We've got a July 22nd deadline. So if you want to be part of the trip, make your way over to athletictravel.com or call 800 788 one four. Just a reminder, uh, Dustin and I will be along on the trip. We're going to be doing a podcast from down there along with you. You get a chance to participate. So that's 800-788-4414 if you want to make the trip to the Penn State-Auburn game. T. Frank, we talked about today as being a, re- uh, a day to talk about the class of 2023, the recruits there. But i got to ask you because it's the biggest story. USC, UCLA making their way to the Big Ten. What was your reaction to that big news? Uh, so I'm, I am not one of these people that is, I guess, um, I don't want to say cynical, but like, oh, I saw that coming. Like it came across my phone at 9.30, 10 o'clock, whenever it was, whenever Penn State released a statement uh, saying that it was a fact. You know, you saw it reported earlier in the day. So... I'm always surprised. I'm always like, oh, a thing happened. A, a big actual thing happened. Um, but really, I guess my, my takeaway from this is that uh, the, the veneer of amateurism, which has been a, just a farce for about a decade and a half, maybe even a little bit longer than that, is over. Like, it's over. I could make the argument in the SEC's expansion to Texas and Oklahoma that is still a regionality thing. Texas, Louisiana, they're right next. Like, there is a contiguous sort of natural expansion. And, and it is, it is a it, again, just the most false sense of, uh, and false equivalence of, well, you know, that's regionality. They just wanted to add these two good teams, blah, blah, blah. There is no, there's no point to this other than 
television dollars for the Big Ten. The Big Ten countered Texas and Oklahoma, and they went with one of the last Blue Bloods uh, out there, or one of the last few Blue Bloods out there. They got the Dodgers, and they did that because they want TV money. So the whole idea that we're we're in some sort of minor league focused on academics and 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 the pursuit of a higher whatever like sure you can all think that and have that a part of your statement but you didn't go after Stanford first you didn't try to merge with the Ivy Leagues this is about television dollars and getting the the LA market for the Big Ten uh, so that was my major takeaway is okay we are officially in the new world like there's there's everyone's dropped the act my quick response is i hear a lot of the world is collapsing college football as we know it has changed but i've heard that with nil i heard that with the transfer portal yeah years ago i heard that when penn state went into the big 10 for the same thing for dollars and cents Yep. Um, I heard that years ago when it used to be one TV game a week, that was all you got when it was opened up. And now we have all these, you know, games on television. It was just about money. It's the ruination. How about when they put lights in at Beaver Stadium and started playing <laughs> night games? Oh, my right. gosh. The one o'clock game goes away. Playing at night. Again. They are just folding their tents and acquiescing to television and the money. That's been going on for 50 years, if not longer, yeah. T. Frank. And yeah. guess what? The game is still here. And it's as still popular great. as ever. Yes. So yes. this is this is this is my point. Uh, and, and I wrote a very lengthy opinion column on, on it on Friday about um Sure, NIL and the transfer portal are new and they are disruptive, but those are concessions. Those are concessions by institutions for the players so they didn't have to pay them uh, because they've been going after, like a business, money on television for as long as you, what you just described. So, you know, this idea that we are going to hold to these traditions and standards when we aren't holding to any of those traditions and standards, we are going for as much money as possible on the business side. And yet on the other side, on the this is going to get inflammatory because you know politics and sports are a razor's edge away. On the labor side, we've all said this is all for the good of the other, you know, the the other 31 institutions at Penn State, the other 31 schools or the other teams at Penn State. And it's like I it's very hard to swallow when we're talking about billions of dollars in contract money with television and we're still saying amateurism now we're not anymore like we we that is pretty much over but this was to me the dagger in the heart of 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 anyone being able to reasonably say from the academic side we are focused on uh this is all about the the uh the advancement of the athlete as a student and focusing on that and a well-rounded educated like you can't do both. You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. That is disingenuous. So hopefully we're, this is leading us to a more equitable future for everyone involved. That's, that's my hope anyway. Uh, T. Frank, this speaking out of both sides of their mouth, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but they've been doing that forever. For 50 years. So like this you just is, said, ex exactly. It's, it's, it's not new. So, and... I think the problem is you may not be happy with 
uh, this veneer of academia and this is about the student athlete emphasis on the student it hasn't been about that for years and years and guess what as you said it's still a great sport and what I find fascinating and I'll, I'll take this on myself I've been advocating for the last year or so when they've talked about this alliance uh, be, you know <laughs> where I said <laughs> to me what I was most interested in is could we get new matchups, you know? Could Penn State play teams from the Pac-12 or from the yeah. ACC? Would that not be fun? Okay, I'm getting what I wanted. I'm going to yeah. get Penn State USC. I'm going to get Penn State UCLA. I'm going to get Michigan USC. I love that, T. Frank. Yeah. And if Notre Dame could be brought in, and there's talk of Oregon or Stanford or maybe even cherry-picking from the ACC, maybe North Carolina. The opportunity to play those teams as a fan, I love it. I'm not yeah. seeing the downside to it if I'm looking at this as a fan. But by, by the way, I called the alliance the uh, the League of Extraordinary Pinky Promises because it meant nothing. And like this is some Game of Thrones betrayal, by the way. This is some Red Wedding stuff where the Big Ten just shoved a dagger in the heart of the of the Pac-12 and took U USC. And I understand like USC approached them and blah 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 blah. Yeah, that's fine. But the Lannisters were okay with uh, with bringing people in from the north to betray the Starks. Like it still happened. So th this is some this is some cold-blooded moves by the uh, the Big Ten to betray the League of Extraordinary Pinky Promises, which everyone called this like this means nothing. This is absolutely a a ridiculous uh, press announcement that that is that's it's gonna go nowhere because it's every man for himself. That's what it is. This we are now in. I I called this. Imagine two two uh, galaxies spinning on an axis that are going to collide. And the SEC and the Big Ten are going to absorb everything else around them like a black hole, and they're going to form a new NFL minor league system. That's basically what it's going to be. Two leagues, two conferences, and they're going to play for the playoff, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to make way more sense. And, you know, I'm going to talk about reality here, T. Frank. If, if you're disappointed in the Big Ten breaking the Pinky promise, as you put it. I love that. W would you be happier of, as the Big Ten if USC and UCLA all of a sudden ended up in the Southeast Conference? Yeah. I've got all kinds of analogies. This is this is also a pre-Civil War land grab. Like, if you watch, like, there is absolutely a line of demarcation. The SEC is going to turn into the, uh, instead of the Southeast Conference, the entire South Conference, where they're the ESC. And the Big Ten is just going to take every team north <laughs> of the Mason-Dixon line. Look, it's already happening. People are talking about, well, what about Boston College? It's, and then blah, 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 Washington, Oregon. It's like, okay. It is absolutely going to be every sing every time that there is a state ratified in the Union in the South, there's going to be one in the North, and they're going to keep going until the entire country is absorbed into these two conferences. And out west is the land grab. What was it called? The Kansas-Missouri Compromise? That yes. So <laughs> you go west, and, and, and they'll try to do one for one, as you said, one for the North, one for the South. But in the end... I you know, I asked Dustin this question, and I'll ask it to you. Other than the 
the myth of the student athlete has gone away. What is the downside of what we're seeing going forward? Um, I mean, I won't, I won't pretend that I don't like tradition myself. Like I am not some, uh, nihilist that doesn't care about things before or after. Like there is nostalgia and all those things. You are losing that. And that is a bit of a bummer. Like does the Rose Bowl continue and does the Rose Bowl have its, uh, importance and its significance if you're playing USC all the time? So do you lose that rarity, uh, that, that uh, lack of commonality that you don't see these guys all the time? So when you do play them, it is a big deal. So maybe that's just the conference championship game is the Rose Bowl. I don't know. But, you know, that tra- there is, there's a reason we like tradition. And even if you, do, you are sacrificing tradition for progress, um, it, you can be sad about it and still understand that it is a worthwhile step forward. Okay, T. Frank, that's the end of quarter number one in our recruiting show, but (laughs) (laughs) I promise we'll get to it in quarter number two. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsworth from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number two. T. Frank, this was supposed to be a show about the 2023 recruiting class and you went way off tangent talking about usc and ucla joining the big 10 yeah i just i i took i took the wheel i i kicked you out of the seat and started driving the bus so here we are segment two (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, let's let's get back on track. Let's talk about the 2023 recruiting class. We'll do it by overview. You put out an article last week, um, which I love because it, you put together the whole class, where the team is, where it stands at each position, where it may be headed going forward. I'd like to review that. And by the way, just tell folks where they could get to everything that you do, T. Frank. How how do they subscribe? How do they get to everything you write with on three? Sure. Well, thank you. Uh, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com is where you go to find uh, Blue White Illustrated, part of the On3 network. And uh, you can sign up for a dollar. 12 months of access to get premium content for one dollar. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I also do the, the YouTube show, the BWI Daily Edition. So if you search Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, you find us there. And uh, we're marching towards uh, getting 10% of Beaver Stadium uh, to subscribe to the channel. That's my goal. Uh, that's my first goal. There's always another one after that, but that's where we're, we're heading now. Uh, so yeah, uh, and that's where we were talking about uh, the class overview. Very nice. I, I recommend it, folks. Let's get our uh, Keystone Sports Network audience to help T. Frank reach his goal. Some absolutely great stuff there. Anyway, let's get to it, T. Frank. Let's start where we start everything. Let's start with the quarterback, Marcus Stokes. Fascinating recruit. A lot of Penn State fans, and I think fans across the country, they immediately say say we they see three stars. He's not one of the big names, and immediately think that Penn State settled at that position. Did they settle at that position or not? No, I, I think he was the guy they went after. So specifically targeting a guy that I, I think is a little underrated in the process. Now. Uh, for the for on three, they do things a little bit differently. There's two different rankings. There's the consensus ranking, and then there's the internal ranking. So on three evenly weights the entire recruiting industry and gives a consensus ranking, and then they do their own individual evaluations. He's a three star in both, but I I think he was at the Elite Eleven finals, and uh, he that means he's you know one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, he's just a little bit undersized, and he's just a little bit. Uh, I think undervalued at this point. Six one and a half, one eighty five. But he, the thing I love the most about him is that he can play within structure, but he's very good at throwing off. You know, throwing off platform on the run. Mobile accuracy is not something that is. Um, typically something you want in a quarterback when they're relying on that but when it's continued like throw after throw after throw this guy is rolling out moving in the pocket uh stepping up he's throwing off platform and he's accurate so that is now a trait that is not something that's luck um and then as he develops that's going to be the question is how big does he get does he get to be 210 215 um i don't know that he'll be that big but he's got a bit of a narrower frame than than i think some of the guys that Penn State's recruited previously, uh, even with Christian Vayu, is a little bit thicker than Marcus Stokes. But I, I just love his composure and his accuracy. And uh, I think even when he's clean in the pocket, he throws with great fundamentals. I, he has a little bit of a tendency to rely too much on his athleticism. But outside of that, I really like his profile, and I think he can rise to a four-star this fall. And I think we also have to t uh, trust James Franklin and his staff. You may argue with how they handled the quarterback room once they got here, but their recruiting of quarterbacks, they identified Trace McSorley. They identified Will Levis. 
They had yeah. to identify Justin Fields before uh, most other teams did. So yep. I think you've got to trust that they've been pretty good at this. Uh, let's move on. I'm fascinated by the running back position. Uh, the two names that keep coming up are Trayon Webb and London Montgomery. Montgomery's the one from Scranton, so he's the Pennsylvania guy. It seemed like early on, Trayon Webb was the one they really wanted. London Montgomery was kind of a backup plan. He seemed to gain more favor with the coaching staff. Where where does that recruitment sit right now, T. Frank? Uh, so, you know, this is, I think this is kind of more about how everything shakes out. Because if Penn State lands a bunch of their high-value prospects and, and things get tight and one of these guys hasn't committed already, they might not have room. So it's all going to be about timing and what happens over the next couple of weeks. Um, but I'll tell you what I think personally. Uh, because I can't really tell you what the, the staff thinks individually. And I think it's probably a couple of different things. Speed's important, and Lund Montgomery's fast. He is a very good running back. He's just 180 pounds. He's five foot ten. He's got a bit of a narrow frame, so he's not a lead back. He's not going to be a guy that's going to come in and be the number one do it all feature player. Um, Trayon Webb, he's the other side of the coin. He's six foot, 198 pounds, big physical running back, breaks tackles but is kind of a one-cut runner. He's high-cut, and he doesn't always... He's not super elusive, he's not super agile, and he doesn't have breakaway long speed. So, you know, there's two ways you can think about this. I, I personally think that London Montgomery, in his role, is going to be more effective because he's a better overall or all-around player. And his role is going to be that kind of change of pace back. He could be a scat back. He could be, he can still run between the tackles. I think he's still physical enough to run between tackles and, and has great contact balance to get extra yards. Uh, but neither of them are a lead back. So if they're both platoon backs and you take them, they complement each other very well. So if you take both, it makes sense. If you take one or the other, I would go for speed over size personally, knowing what you already have with Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. Interesting setup. Uh, you mentioned it may depend on what how it happens elsewhere, but do you think the team wants both of them? Yeah, I, I think they would. Have, they I think they would want and take both of them. My opinion is because there's talent in the secondary and there's talent other places. I would want to take other positions over two running backs. But again, if they don't get those guys, getting valuable players is always valuable. So get the valuable players, and both have value. Gotcha. Let's let's go to the offensive line, which might be the highlight of this class. Um, you've got Javen Williams considered a tackle inside. You have Alex Birchmeyer, who people forget about. He was one. He was the first commit, and he's yep. a five star some places. And Anthony Donka. I guess the question there is, are they done? Would they look for more? I know they lost Josh Miller, so I'm assuming they would take at least one more. Where are they yeah. looking on the offensive line? So uh, I would say absolutely they want to get more tackles because the, the point of the class earlier is they were all kind of interior players, but they had so much diversity of skill set, and they had a, a couple guys that were super athletic and had the reach and the athleticism to play tackle, but they were currently better at guard. So you could mix and match, and you would have uh, a, a good feel about who could play where, and they needed probably one more player. That was a pure tackle. 
I think at this point you want to get two more, at least uh, one more, if not two more players that are pure tackles. Because Javen Williams is learning to pass protect. And I know, you know, Ross has talked about him in depth on the show, but he's he is still learning how to kick slide. Last time I saw him at one of the Penn State camps, it he was playing tackle and it he he looked like a work in progress. And and that's not anything to be worried about because he's super athletic, but it is a part of his profile. I think he's a tackle in the college level because I don't know that anyone else is going to be better than him overall. But if you get a guy like Evan Link or uh, a couple of the other guys that are out there right now, then you have given yourself that flexibility again to play guys where they're best, and you're not you're not forced to say, okay, of these guys, one of them has to be a tackle prospect, and we're playing him there. That's where you get into kind of the trouble of guy not really fitting his position and playing below his recruiting ranking or potential level. Where do they stand with Evan Link right now? That's a great question. <laughs> I think it, oh, it's thank an, you. <laughs> from what I've heard uh, from Ryan Snyder, uh, our insider, is that it, it's close and it depends on what's important to uh, to Link. Is it education? Is education the most important thing? Because he's considering Stanford. Hard to beat that. Is it all? Is it is it equal or is it slightly more football and uh, and education is still very important to him. Uh, and that's going to swing the balance of whether he wants to go to Stanford and play there or if he wants to go to Penn State and play in Happy Valley. Uh, Stanford has n- does not have the reputation. It should not have the reputation it does for offensive linemen that it did 10 years ago. They are not that place anymore. So if he wants to be good at football, I, I don't see personally Stanford as a viable place. I haven't seen the development. I haven't seen the, the uh, advancement of those players on a regular basis. Let's talk tight end. At some point in this class, I think Penn State has had approximately 23 different guys commit <laughs> to play tight <Yeah>. end. <laughs> Where are they now? Where do they stand? Uh, well, they're locked in with Andrew Rampelier and Joey Schlaffer, and those guys are they are here. They are uh, the, the class of that position, and they're both very good. Six foot five for Schlaffer with a lot of room to grow can be a, a pure, complete, wide tight end. And Rampelier is one of the more advanced players I've seen at his position from a skill point uh, he's just a little, and 6'3", 200 pounds is not undersized, but it's more undersized than some of the gargantuan players they've had recently. It's undersized when you're talking big time tight end. And finally, we have at receiver, Shakir and Haynes. I feel like Shakir gets forgotten. We've talked quite a bit yep. about Yazid Haynes. What are they getting with those two guys? And are they done at wide receiver? I don't think they're done at wide receiver. They could be if they wanted to be, but uh, you know, you got a speed boundary guy in Haynes who also can play from the slot, and then a Johnny Shakir is a, is not. I think he's a four-five receiver, which is good. Like he's not slow, but he's not the electric athlete that they would have gotten if they had gotten um, Rodney Gallagher. He's a little bit bigger, more physical though. So he he's a catch and run sort of yak guy, break tackles, make explosive plays. Um, inside outside versatility, but is is very much a slot potential six foot. Again, talking about the same thing, six foot one seventy five can play inside outside. Great potential uh, from Shakir. So he kind of fits that mold of the just right guy that we talked about a couple weeks yep. ago, right? Yep, I would say the and, only thing he lacks is explosive speed. He's fast, but not you know the wow that jumps off tape. Very good, T Frank. All right, that was our look at the offense. In quarter number four, we will look at the defense. But before we get there, we have quarter number three, 
Three comes between two and four, T. Frank. You didn't think there was going to be any math today. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a goalie getting a finger on it and batting it away. (laughs) But we will get to quarter number three, which means we're going to take your questions. We're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante and with T. Frank Carr. And it's quarter number three of our show. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football or recruiting questions. And if you want to submit a question, really easy, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. And because this is the offseason, a little slower, send us your questions, especially newbies. We want the new folks who haven't sent questions before, send in your question Label it that you're new, this is your first time sending a question. We'll make sure you get on the air with that question. By the way, at the end of the segment, we are going to pick a winner. We are going to pick a best question, and that winner will receive a copy of Why Penn State. That's the book by Greg Woodman. It's available at whypennstate.com. It's also available at Amazon, other places. It talks about when Penn State really became Penn State, and that was the decade of the 80s. T. Frank, you're too young to remember, but that was the decade with two national championships. I remember the era well. 
I remember the movies from the 80s because that's what my family watched. I have a bunch of older siblings, but no, I don't remember the sports of the 80s. Very special decade for Penn State. Penn State, Miami, Fiesta Bowl. Perhaps the biggest game in college football history, T. Frank. Study up on it and learn something. All right, let's get to our questions. Let's start with, um, oh, this is a fun one. Let's start with Steve in Columbia, PA, who says, So, T. Frank, based on your NIL take, can we safely assume you are a bad tipper at restaurants? Steve Uh, says he's joking, of course, and he loves your takes and keep up the good work. Joke's on you. We don't go anywhere out to eat ever because uh, my wife can't eat gluten. So we never go out to eat, and I'm a guilty tipper, and I tip too much most of the time. Uh, so, so sorry, Steve, but no, I am not a bad tipper. <laughs> you used the tipping analogy a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, T. Frank, and Steve wanted to catch you on that. All right, let's go to Sam in Warren. Who says, with the addition of USC and UCLA, do you see Penn State and the rest of the Big Ten effectively recruiting Southern California more? Uh, By the way, grew up near Warren, so shout out to Warren, Pennsylvania. Um, Yes and no. It depends. <laughs> so, it, it al- so it always depends, right? Is USC going to have a, a rebound? Are they going to, once they get on the Big Ten Network and have better resources, and assuming Lincoln Riley doesn't suck as a coach at USC, are they going to get better, and are they going to recruit California and L.A. better? Secondarily, other places have traditionally better ties in uh, California, especially and strangely from what I've heard uh, is Nebraska. And they are the farthest west of the Big Ten, so would they also recruit California a little bit better? Uh, And then does Penn State play on the West Coast a lot? Like, how does this shake out? Are there more teams that are joining that are going to create a West Coast division of the Big Ten? The future's wide open. So the answer could be yes. If, If Penn State is going out there and they're playing in California and they are a presence and all of a sudden... Uh, dudes love Penn State and they want to come to Happy Valley from the West Coast because there's no, there's a lot of water here. Uh, then I, you know, maybe I don't know, could be. Well, I think uh, James Franklin and their staff have shown a willingness to go out of their traditional region oh, yeah. of recruiting. Yeah, uh, we've seen it in Florida. We've seen it in this year in Alabama. Remember seeing it in Michigan? Yep. Uh, they've gone into Texas, so. You know, why not Southern California? Um, if if they see an opportunity there, I think they will uh, go for it. All right, let's go to Alan in Lewisburg. And Alan says, hey, T. Frank, love your work. With a weaker offensive line, you can try to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quicker in the passing game. Are there things that you can do to help out the running game with a weaker offensive line? Have a really good running back. <laughs> uh, and have a really good quarterback. So so everything in football is kind of married together. If your quarterback threatens the team, the defense, uh, in deep passing and you've got a dangerous receiver, that takes some of the the pressure off the running game where you have to think about the Kansas City Chiefs think about all their great running backs over the last five years could you name one of them other than Clyde Edwards Alaire who also doesn't play a lot 
Like they're all kind of replaceable because if you're a defense and you're playing Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and um, uh, uh, d- 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 Travis Kelsey, you're keeping two safeties deep. You have to keep at least two safeties deep. Uh, you're playing cover four. You're playing very conservative. You're giving them the ground game. And then you have production from your running backs. You have to be competent on, along the offensive line. But having a dangerous passing game opens up the running game. Secondarily, if you've got a dangerous running back, you can make a lot of stuff happen just because he makes the unblocked guy miss. And he, get, you know, maybe he does something wrong. Like, here's another thing that always works out for super talented runners. They run to the front side and they run out the front of the formation. They run into the blocking. Essentially, like they, they they run counter to where they're supposed to go, but they're faster than everyone else around them. So they break into open space and get yards. That's technically bad. Like if you if I were to be looking at that, I'd say, OK, you ran towards, you know, you hurt your blockers. But because you're so fast, you made it happen. And, you know, speed and also br- tackle breaking and explosion, things like that. So there's a couple of different ways. And honestly, most of the modern schemes that you see are intended to alleviate pressure on the offensive line because they come from, they, they they trickle upwards from lower levels that don't get elite talent on the offensive line. They're, they're, uh, they're aimed to diminish the, uh, the impact of the offensive line, both good and bad, and put the, put the ball in space, put the ball in the hands of elite athletes. Okay, let's move forward. Let's go to Jimmy in Forest City who says, T. Frank, When high school recruits are being offered NIL deals, are they one-year deals or intended to cover all three or four years at the university, or does it vary depending on the talent of the recruit? Uh, I would say it's that last one. And then it's, um, you know, if you've got some inside information into what's going on, uh, please send me an anonymous tip. Or something like that, so we can do some more in-depth reporting on NIL because no one's talking about it. Nobody's talking about these deals because technically it's illegal to be recruiting and inducing players with NIL money, which of course goes to the chicken and the egg of like, hey, we're not going to offer you anything, but I know that there's an eight million dollar deal waiting for somebody to play quarterback at Tennessee. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is all this very blurry gray line sort of recruiting. Um, but for my understanding, you're not paying eight million dollars a year for a player or one million like because I, I heard somebody point out that that's more than rookies are getting in the NFL. If eight million dollars a year is more than a rookie sign. Now they get their contract guaranteed, so they get 40 million in the long run. But that would be uh, way more money than you should be paying for a freshman quarterback. Well, my understanding in reading a few articles and um specifically about Quinn Ewers, who went to Ohio State, sat on the bench for a year, then went back to Texas. Most of them, I believe, are set, even if they are a four-year thing, lawyers are part of this. So it's as long as you are enrolled and in good standing, you know, at at, here in Columbus. So if he transfers, he gives the truck back, he, you know, that ends the contract. And those are the way things are worded. Remember, there are some smart people involved in this and they're going to make sure that they um, protect their own interests. All right, let's go to um, Stephen Potomac. uh, And let me see if I could cut this down a bit. He's talking about, you know, the Big Ten expansion and reaching the point where you have both 
the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten just overwhelming all of com, uh, college football and dominating, he asked, if it reaches that point, would they do a college football playoff analogous to the NFL with the AFC and the NFC, which would be playoffs within their own conference, and ultimately the winners play each other? Yeah, and I think that's a I think I I personally endorse that format because I love the NFL. I'm a fan of football at that level. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea, and I think that's where we're heading. But it's not going to be until after the college football playoff contract that is currently here until that is over. And that might be two iterations from now because you've got to go through the consolidation, which isn't going to happen overnight. Some of it's going to happen very quickly, and some of it's going to be a slow attrition process because the ACC is going to hold out, and they're going to fight tooth and nail to survive but who knows if they're going to be able to so how long does it take to pry away the good schools from that area i don't know that uh but i would imagine if ultimately that is sort of where we're heading and you may not have a ton of cross inter uh, inter uh, conference play but you might have some so how it looks i don't know if it's going to be a pure copy of what the nfl does but it might be some version of that and also to understand you know the pac-12 big 12 may implode any day, okay? If yeah. a couple more teams get lost in the Pac-12. One of the things you got to understand about the ACC, their grant of rights, which means if Clemson chooses tomorrow to go to the Southeast Conference, the ACC owns their media rights for the yeah. next 10 years or so. I think it goes to like the year 2036. So the ACC and their members are going to have to figure that out. Uh, let's quickly go to Brad in Percasy, who says, I personally don't mind James Franklin as a coach, but know a lot of people who don't like them, like him. With that being said, shouldn't those people be giving to NIL to watch Franklin coach himself out of a job instead of giving him reasons uh, to that Penn State can't beat Ohio State? Yeah, I, I I tend to have that personal opinion as well. It just becomes, are you willing to give $5 to somebody that makes you mad all the time? Um, and, and this is the thing, too, is now officially we're in July, and Patrick Kraft is now the AD at Penn State. So a lot of this NIL discussion is going to now funnel through the higher levels of, you know, James Franklin is still going to have a, a microphone in his face and he's going to be asked about these things, but he doesn't have to use it as a bully pulpit anymore because somebody else is doing that work. So I think that's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of Penn State's NIL problems because the most divis divisive figure who, you know, is James Franklin is no longer beating the drum the loudest. At least that's the whole point of Patrick Kraft is to be here and do that and take those administrative roles and those higher level leveraging of finances and blah, 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 corporate, blah, 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 finance, blah, 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 money. So for Penn State fans, I hope for you that's how this works. And for James Franklin, it would be best if somebody else takes on that conversation. That is it for quarter number three. Stick around quarter number four. We'll name our winner. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there.
What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State, by author Greg Woodman, looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we are going to get back to our Class of 23 discussion, but before we get there, we've got to name a winner in our Ask T. Frank segment. Who you got? Uh, let's go with Allen in Lewisburg, although, again, shout-out to Sam and Warren. But uh, the offensive line conversation, I enjoyed that because there there was no opinion involved from me. It was There were some, some facts I could use there. Didn't have to get over my skis talking about NIL and all that stuff. So I felt safe and comfortable and confident in that question. So thank you for the question, Alan. And it was an actual football question. Yeah, it was. And here's the thing. It's like I don't, I don't have a problem. Like I feel like I have a well-thought-out stance on most things. But, you know, it's just you get out there time and time again, and then you just like – Every once in a while, it feels nice to be safe in your cocoon of these are football answers. And you are the football expert. So let's take that expertise, T. Frank, and talk about the class of 2023 on defense. Let's start with the defensive line. Let's start with the defensive ends. And there are two names already uh, committed. Jamel Lyons, Tamari, and Parker, those are your two defensive ends. Uh, Parker, really impressive, and what's really even more impressive is he came from Alabama. Two pretty good ones there. Yeah, and I think they complement each other very well, where you have Jamel Lyons, who is is very much a high upside player and is somebody who can be a very good player in the long run but is a little bit raw. So he's, I would say, Physically, and this is kind of like they're they're apples and oranges here because they're a little bit different where Parker is a little more speed. He plays a little bit more um, of a different style of game. But I get a strong Yitor Gross Matos vibe from Jimmy Lyons. The problem is he doesn't use that 
uber length that he has very well because he's still learning how to lock out, stack, shed, use his hands, more so than just violence and running through people. So he's going to take a little bit of time, but he's got elite pad level flexibility and frame, and he's up to 200. I saw on Twitter he posted something this offseason. He's up to 258. So like he's, he's a massive defensive end that I think has a lot of potential, but TJ Parker is a top 100 player because he's strong. He's a perfect blend of speed, size, and strength. And he is a very high-level technician for a high school player with his hands. So there's some immediate translatability. Uh, he's got to work on his pad level. He plays a little high, plays a little stiff. So working on that, lowering his pad level, and uh, that's going to unlock a lot of his skills. And his, his ability to play the run is very good. So he's got a lot of early translation skills in his game. So you got a little bit of a long play and a little bit of an immediate guy, but both are high-level players. And getting TJ Parker secured the potential for an elite D-line class here because they were gonna, it felt like they were going to miss at that position outside of Lions. They did not have a lot of quality prospects on the horizon. They get him, and that's a huge upset because now they've got two four-star defensive ends, one of them in the top 100 players according to on three. So that's, that's a great place to be. It was the hit they needed to get, and they got it. So, and, and remember, it wasn't too long ago we were wondering about the defense and the defensive line specifically as far as the recruiting class, and things have changed quite quickly. Uh, similar story at defensive tackle. There were two commits there, uh, Matthias Barnwell, Tyreek Blanding. What do we know about those two, and are they done at tackle? So, no, they're not done a tackle. There's still a couple guys that are going to commit sometime this month that are what makes this class elite. They're high four-star players. One of them is uh, from DeMath Catholic, a, a recruiting stronghold for Penn State that they want to continue to have that sort of grip over that program. That's Jason Moore. So that's a local player. And then Derek LeBlanc from Florida. I believe he's friends with Zane Durant. So they're trying to, you know, leverage that connection in Florida and the South to get another elite defensive lineman to come up. Uh, and they're they're very similar players, and they're both super long, super athletic players that are going to clearly be defensive tackles in the future, but have great fluidity, movement skills, and are on that path of elite length and size. There's not a lot of projection. With Matthias Barnwell, he can be that guy. So again, if this D-line class can get another little more sure thing here at defensive tackle, it'd be one of the first elite uh, defensive tackles they've gotten uh, at, at Penn State in a long time from a recruiting perspective. But they'd also have kind of a long-term play and an immediate sort of impact player which is a great place to be because Matthias Barnwell is 6'5 and a half, 6'6, 250 pounds, and has just gargantuan length. So can he get to that size? He's kind of a tweener right now, and I don't know which way his body is going to develop, but he's just so long, and he's got such great strength, and naturally has a, just dominates competition. He's, I think he's going to be a great player and can outperform his current status and be an impact defensive tackle, but he does have to grow into that. Tyreek Blanding out of New York, he is similar to what Penn State's gotten over the last couple of years of kind of in the middle there of six foot three, 265 pounds, um, needs to grow a little bit, maybe doesn't have the overly impressive physical presence of these other guys, but isn't small by any means. Uh, but it's kind of in the middle there. He's a three-star that needs to develop and grow and grow into his body. So they've got a lot of great... 
they got some traditional stuff, they got some unique stuff, and they have the opportunity to get some rare things on this defensive tackle class. So it's a good position to be in heading into this kind of make or break for an elite class time period over the next three weeks. Let's move to the position that's intrigued me for months, and that's linebacker. Yeah. A few months back, there were probably about four or five names at least that Penn State was in on, looked pretty solid. You know, my question at the time was, gee, they can't take all of them. Well, in the meantime, uh, several of those players have committed elsewhere. The Penn State has yet to get that commitment at linebacker, but two names we've been hearing forever, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson, um, they are, they've scheduled commitment dates in the near future. Where does Penn State sit with them, and what are those two players like? Uh, so they have a prediction in for Tony Rojas uh, for Penn State from, I think, a couple of guys at on three. So that one seems locked up at this point. He said he's committed to a program. Like, he moved his commitment date from uh, Tuesday of this week until next week, I think on the 14th. Um, and didn't ch- he announced on Twitter, like, I'm not changing my commitment. This is done for personal reasons. Probably just more time to plan things. And if you're going to have a commitment ceremony and all those things, you need a little more time. I imagine that's total speculation on, on my part. I don't know what the personal reason is, but he's he's you know going to be a Penn State Nittany Lion. Is everything I've heard and everything I've seen. He is an elite athlete. He plays defensive end in high school. He's the fastest guy on the team. He plays running back. He runs on the four fours. He's got a huge frame. He can grow. Maybe not as big as uh, Timmy Robinson, but he can be a full size linebacker that has elite size, length, speed. And the question to me is power. Um, Can he be a strong football player? Because right now, and this is always what I worry about when I watch elite athletes, is do you have bad habits because you're so much better than everybody else? He doesn't take on uh, contact uh, exceptionally well. He's not an overly violent player. But when, when, when he's pressed and when he has to, he delivers. And he's a tough player that clearly just needs to get stronger. Not necessarily he doesn't have the DNA to fight. So that's a great sign. I think that is why he's one of the top 150 players in the, in the country. Tammy Robinson uh, is maybe a little bit freakier of an athlete. I've seen him play in the secondary. I've seen him play linebacker. He lined up at defensive end for Brashear. So he's got uh, a, a thicker frame. I think he might be the bigger guy when the two are, are complete. But long, fast, athletic, movement skills, fluidity in space. These are modern linebackers. These are everything you want them to be. And where they fit into the Penn State defense is just kind of how they develop. So both are elite athletes, and Penn State uh, is projected to get their two top players at that position in the cycle while changing defensive coordinators who are also the position coach. So that's really impressive. Uh, One guy that they didn't get was Phil Pichotti, who went to Oklahoma, but I got the sense that that was kind of Brent Pry's guy and maybe not fits in in the future here. Okay, let's go to the defensive backfield. Let's go to safety, where there's three names Conrad Hussey, Dakari Nelson, and most recently King Mack. Couple uh, points there. Hussey and Mack were high school teammates, correct? Yes, yes. Both safeties. Could in the you same imagine defense. two Division One players playing safety, the same position at a single high school? Is just incredible to me. And the other thing I want to ask you about with these guys specifically, and we just got done talking linebacker. 
there's this position, what is it, striker position that Manny yeah. Diaz has at linebacker. We see Jonathan Sutherland, a former safety, currently playing that position. Seeing three safeties in one class, are we talking about one or more of these guys, a candidate for that position also? Well, I can make the case that all three of them could play different positions other than safety. I think Conrad Hussey is a corner. Uh, he just, I believe he just transitioned to defense last fall and he played safety. By the way, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is where King Mac and Conrad Hussey are from. They play elite level football in Florida. So they're tested. Like these aren't guys that are catching pop flies. They, they have to play American heritage. Some of these other top schools in Florida. So they are both legitimate players. Uh, Mac, I could make the argument can play free safety. He could play slot corner. He could play striker. Uh, he could play a lot of different positions at Penn State. He's five nine, and he's the best tackler of the group. Uh, he is vicious. So you know where he fits in is where you need him. And then I, I think that's kind of like where do the other two end up? Uh, and then Dakari Nelson is six three, two hundred and some pounds, maybe two oh five. To me, he is one of the body types you want at that striker position. He's fast for a linebacker, maybe, and I think he still could play boundary safety and be a good reliable coverage player but he might not be the elite speed you would want in a situation where you're playing just two safeties so he can play two positions there's a lot of versatility here I think they can add another safety and Cam Selden was that guy until he decided he wanted to play offense which is you know how that how that part works out maybe is whether they take another receiver or whether they take uh, two more receivers or however that shakes out so that's a bit of a wild card recently a new development um, so Maybe they don't add another safety unless it's Selden, but they do need to add one more player in the secondary, I think. And switching to cornerback, there's one guy, Lamont Payne, defined as a cornerback in this class. Are we going to see anybody else, or is this just those safeties could also play cornerback, so we're covered there? I do think, though, I thought personally that one of the guys from the class was going to transition and be a corner, whether it was Yazid Haynes or Conrad Hussey. But there's a couple guys out there that they could still land. Elliot Washington, uh, an Alabama commit, that clearly that's that that relationship's over. Uh, he's a guy. I think it's less likely Jakeem Jackson, who's teammates with Derek LeBlanc, is going to end up here because I think it's less likely Derek LeBlanc is going to end up here. Um, so I would say that they can add another corner and they will. But Lamont Payne is a great a great prospect, physical, good movement skills, press type corner. So he's got a lot of versatility in his game. Very good, T. Frank. Unfortunately, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.